everybody, and welcome into Pace the Nation. We are broadcasting here from Studio 1A in Arlington, Virginia, in downtown Clarendon. Back again for episode number 69. I'm your host, Chris Farley. Alongside me, as always, to get us through this big show today, to my right, it's Joanna E. Russo. Joanna, what's up? It's great to be here in beautiful downtown Clarendon. Is it, is it really great to be here, or is there some sarcasm there? No, it's a beautiful day. It is. It it's, is actually There's like no day. humidity. It's I been know. a great week. Last two days have been Joanna running weather for sure. All my positivity is back. There we go. Well, good to hear. Also, to my left, our other co-host, of course, it's William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? Hello, friends. <laughs> hey, Docs. Good to see you back here mm-hmm. in studio. Mm-hmm. How's how things going, Docs? With what? Just life in general. I don't know. Uh, yeah, life is great. Everything's good. Yeah, life is great. All right, my p- two positive co-hosts today. This is going to mm-hmm. be a great show. Uh, a lot to get into today here. Well, Joanne is excited because the weather's turned and she's going on vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. She doesn't have to see our ugly faces for two weeks. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That is exciting. Uh, and you're excited why? Because um, I don't like Joanna either. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm glad she's leaving. <laughs> Well, a lot to get into today, so hopefully we, we can uh, do one last good show together here before Joanna goes on vacation. Uh, excited to talk uh, a lot about babies, running with babies, kids. I'm not a dad yet. You know what that noise was? What's that? That was me turning the podcast off. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> well, I'm, uh, we'll try to make it interesting. We do have a couple of very interesting guests. But I, I was going to mention, I'm not a, a dad yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie's due date was August 21st, and we went to the doctor yesterday, and they were just like, we're, you're not even close. No dilation. Mm-hmm. Dilated? No dilation. No centimeters of any dilation <laughs> uh-huh. yet. So <laughs> nothing doing there. That kid is happy in her stomach. So um, here we are as we sit. Uh, recording here August 25th. Is the baby in the stomach? That might be the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why? Where, where else would the baby be? In the womb? In the, okay. All right. Well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll call the doctor after this oh program. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no kid yet. But glad to have a couple of experienced parents and runners today on the show. It's going to be Sarah and Darren Brown. Uh, Sarah's a professional runner who... Uh, just competed in the Olympic trials. She also just had her first kid. Uh, Darren and Sarah just had their first kid. Their daughter, Abigail, was born, I believe, Joanna, correct me if I'm wrong, four to five months before the Olympic trials. That sounds right. All right. We're going to get the details from them. And she trained and got her way back, Sarah did, to run the Olympic trials in the 1500. So really... Great story that they have. It's been chronicled on ESPNW, uh, a five-part series on ESPNW that I've watched, and I highly recommend watching. Uh, they are Virginia. Uh, they live in Virginia, so also that's gonna that that bodes well for for both of them as well. They're gonna right. be in studio today. Um, Joanna, mm-hmm. I feel like we've missed an opportunity. We should have done a post podcast every time Farley and Julie came back from the doctor that we just interview the doctor, right? <laughs> just say, just to see, like, like right. do you think that guy's for real? Or do you think he's pulling your chain? The doctor was like, "There's no way uh, anybody thinks that 
this or that. Yeah, well, that would be a good interview. <laughs> would be that actually would be. A, I think that's a that's a good show. Yeah. Do you think like do you think when they have like the Farley and and Julie coming in, then the doctor has like the fifteen minutes after that where he just schedules as as uh, busy, right. but he doesn't actually have an appointment just because it takes him fifteen minutes to recover. From all the the hijinks that uh, I bring to the doctor's office, yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, too bad there wasn't a camera or podcast available. Yeah, for, that was a yesterday. missed opportunity. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the the Browns did have a camera follow them all around into the doctor's office. I mean, it's just they gave them complete access. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seemed a little bit more well versed in. Childbirth and kids. <laughs> Farley, and... how many kid books have you read? Like, you know, what to expect when you're expecting things like that. Uh, none, none. So, far, how many actually. have you? Have you listened on tape? <laughs> Zero. Does I mean, Julie know that? Uh, has she given she, you homework? She does now. There is a book that we need to listen to. It's about the kids sleeping. Uh-huh. So I need to need to. Look. Yeah, that's that's important. And and I did go to uh, the, the Arlington Hospital like seminar. Over at Virginia Hospital, uh, day seminar about what to do when you're a new dad, and I got through that. Mostly got through that. I had a couple emails I had to attend to during it, <laughs> but I got through it mostly. So I feel like I'm ready to go. Um, I think that Julie should get a lockbox for your phone and your <laughs> yeah. iPad. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell. I'll tell you this. Actually, watching that video. And it's called Ma- Run, Mama, Run mm-hmm. uh, on ESPNW. It did actually sort of hit, start a hit home. I'd watched it before, Good. but I watched it uh, again yesterday. All five, uh, of, again, highly recommend the five-part series. Things were really hitting home. When uh, they, they had one video montage of Darren and Sarah waking up every single two hours during the night. And, yeah, that's going to happen. And the, and the baby crying. And I was like, wow. That is rough. Babies to, cry to train. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and they need to eat every two yeah. hours. When to they're train oh for her to train through that, mm-hmm. man, it's it must pretty been, amazing. I, I feel I, I feel bad for Darren too. I'm going to ask them all these questions because right. I need I need the handbook. Well, here's, I did not do any reading. Here's here's a question. For now you. I get why they're the guests this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I timed it. Oh, I definitely timed it appropriately. I can't wait till I uh, Farley has a hankering for ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> that is that be, a thing? Well, when you're, then you'll bring a guest on that will bring us oh, ice cream. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, Farley, how much time do you plan to take off for paternity leave? Uh, I, I'd scheduled no time off. See, yeah. I think that you're really missing the boat on this. I think that you, I, not like missing the boat, but sure. I really think that you need to just accept that you are going to be away from the business for a certain amount of time and just don't work don't read your emails don't do any of this other stuff just be a dad okay all right i i agree i i will um i will try to do that no there is no try okay yeah do or do not the the thing is is for our star wars fans is she i that flew over my totally over my head uh i don't know what that reference is but yoda oh yoda okay (laughs) i wouldn't know a yoda reference um I wouldn't but, know a Yoda either. <laughs> I, I do know he's like the, the, the blue guy, the short blue guy. Yeah, he's blue. <laughs> I mean, he's not blue. I don't, I don't R2-D2. know. R2-D2. All right. 
No, it's uh, he's 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 uh, he's an alien type. Anyways, it doesn't matter. That the Yoda thing doesn't matter. My point. My I think you bring up a good. What if point. you have a baby Yoda? <laughs> I think you bring up a good point. Uh-huh. I'm just going to try to plow through here because I'm actually scheduled. She's scheduled her, her delivery or or her uh, to be induced on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So by the time this podcast drops, we may have. Uh, I may be a dad. Mm-hmm. I'm actually scheduled to work the floor that Monday at 10 o'clock. That sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. Your your job is to be the domestique. What's that mean? So in cycling, a domestique is the person who supports the other rider. Yeah. So okay. it is going to be your job to do anything that Julie no needs. Question. So I don't feel like on Monday morning at 10 a.m. what Julie needs is for you to be in the store. Or maybe it yeah. is. Maybe <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right. uh, Julie's right now like adding more work, hours, more yeah. hours to his work. Going into wind work and adding hours. Yeah. Well, Brandon, if you're listening, by the time this podcast hits, I don't know what time you can get it out, Docs. I probably am not going to be there at that shift <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a couple hours. So if you can get this out at 8 a.m. on good thing uh, Brandon one, listens to the show. He does, yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be there for that shift. And finally today, guys, I know we have a totally separate show to talk about the Olympics mm-hmm. and sum up all the uh, events that we were we were interested in and go pretty in-depth, which is great. But I just want to mention, uh, in addition to that episode, Matthew Sensiewicz won a gold medal. Correct. I mean, how crazy is that? It's insane. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I want to talk about right now because we have another right. show that Absolutely. we're Absolutely, but I just want to mention it. I just want to yeah. mention it. I think it deserves... On every show. I think it deserves at least every 10 minutes of every show to mention that a guest of our podcast won a gold medal. Yeah, but you know the you know the I was excited. I mean, I think we were all excited about that. Right. But then the only problem with it is that now they immediately told us that going forward they're going to big time us. Right. <laughs> so it's like former guests. I'm think... very happy for our former guests. The Centrowitzes, right? But they they informed us that they're bigger than our our blank radio show. I mean, I think Coach was <laughs> caught up in the moment, and, and and he's he's referencing a a text that Coach sent me. He said, "No more of your radio show. We're going on Good Morning America tomorrow." Expletive, expletive. Yeah. So I haven't seen him on Good Morning America, but I wouldn't be surprised if after Matthew finishes his. <laughs> Series of, it was a joke, Docs. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, but I just wanted to mention that. And again, we have a full recap of the Olympics. But Matthew Sensiewicz won a gold medal. Unbelievable, awesome, awesome. Favorite race, obviously, of the Olympics. Do you guys want to pause the recording and go watch that again? Yes. Yeah, one yeah. more time. Okay. One more time. But before we do that, Docs, uh, I do want to introduce our guests who are in studio now with us. It's Sarah and Darren Brown. Sarah is a professional runner for New Balance. Darren is her coach. He also works for Elliptigo. They just had a kid between six and four. On to March fourth. On March fourth. Mm-hmm. So that is doesn't help Farley. <laughs> five months ago, they just <laughs> had a kid. Unbelievable. And she made it all the way back and ran in the Olympic trials. And we're going to talk to her about motherhood, about fatherhood, more importantly, <laughs> and running with their little daughter next year on Pace the Nation.
All right, welcome back to Pace Nation. Now, guys, we are excited to be joined by the whole families here. We got Darren and Sarah Brown and daughter Abigail. Guys, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. I'm- now, is 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 Abigail going to contribute to the conversation? Does she talk much or? She definitely has a voice when she wants to. Yeah. So, okay, she doesn't have a microphone, so hopefully <laughs> she'll she'll stay quiet. But um. She has the modes where she can really a little bit TBD. We'll we'll yeah. real, we'll yeah. know if okay. she wants to add something in. No, no doubt. <laughs> well, well, thank you guys for for joining us. Your, your story is incredibly inspiring. Uh, you can follow your your journey to the Olympic trials. It's on ESPNW, and the the five part series is still online. Um, awesome kind of uh, build up to the Olympic trials before the baby. Uh, it, it, it was really well done. I want to ask you guys first about that. So who approached you with, uh, you know, them doing this, this entire, uh, series on you? Um, we were actually approached by Danielle, who is the, the director of the, the piece. And she approached us back in De- December, I believe. Um, and it was kind of at a great time because we had just turned down another opportunity. We had kind of um, some people had contacted us. We looked into it, and it really wasn't how we wanted our story to be told. And so, when Danielle contacted us, and you know, with the um, idea that it would be on ESPN and just the avenue and what she was after, um, we kind of started to consider it. And then, after having like a Skype conversation, we got a little bit more serious, and um, we just felt so comfortable with her from the beginning. And I think that's what made us keep moving forward with the project. So Sarah is a nine-time uh, NCAA All-American at Tennessee. Uh, she also was a semifinalist in the 2013 World Championships. So going into the 2000 Olympic tri- 2016 Olympic trials, I mean, this was you guys' shot uh, for, for Sarah and, of course, her husband, her coach, Darren. This was your shot to make the Olympic team, right? Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like that. Last year, you know, at age 28 I was running the fastest times I have ever I ran a PR of 403 in the 1500 I believe it was 201 in the 800 and so you know that's really I we felt like we were in a really good place um both physically mentally and just with our training and that changed so quickly that I think we were both just like caught off guard um at how quickly that changed so for you guys, Darren, when you guys find out you're pregnant, I mean, you know, and of course I've chronicled on the show tons that obviously Julie's pregnant and we're going to have the kids soon. How was that moment when you find out you're pregnant? Obviously super excited, but for the coach and the husband and the future dad, also maybe mixed emotions? Well, there were definitely a ton of mixed emotions. So to, to start... Sarah actually found out she was pregnant when I was on the opposite side of the country. Oh, wow. Um, her racing in Europe had just gone so far downhill that, that we brought her back. She was actually passing through D.C. and went to see her, her kind of childhood doctor to get some blood work done because I wanted to know whether she was anemic, what, you know, if, if right. she had some other irregularities going on. If she was sick, if there was something really, really bad happening. And so um, this kind of fall off the cliff of her training and racing happened so fast. I was pouring through training logs just trying to figure out where it had gone wrong, right? Where had we overdone it? Where had we stepped across that line to the point of no return? And we were just struggling to come up with something. So, you know, when we finally got the results back and the doctor said, you know, nothing's wrong. You're, you're having a baby, right? It it was, it was just, it was this moment of relief, this moment of excitement. And then I think 
Sarah had a couple additional emotions just because me as kind of the the unknowing, ignorant male figure, you right. know, there are some complications with um, the birth control that Sarah had at the time right. and, and becoming pregnant. And so I think for her, that's where some of the fear crept in. Um, initially, there were no thoughts of, you know, how does this come implicate running and training in the Olympics? I mean, family so much greater than all that to begin with. Um, it was for me, it was pure excitement. Uh, I just happened to be out in California at the time. Sarah's here in D.C. My first thoughts are, how do I get to D.C. as quickly as possible? Right. <laughs> he ended up on a red eye like right. that night. So. That's incredible. <laughs> I walked out of work at about 2 p.m., not telling anybody where I was going, drove straight to the airport and booked the first flight I could get back. How, so how did you tell Darren that, that you were pregnant? Um, I Well, I basically blurted out the same thing, the same thing the doctor had gone through with me. He was like, when the doctor called me, he was like, are you sitting down? And so like, I just popped down the nearest thing I could find. I was actually in my parents' garage. So it was like an old couch in the garage. (laughs) And that's, he's like, you're pregnant. And so when I, you know, relayed the story to Darren on the phone, um, it was pretty much the same thing. I was like, are you sitting down? (laughs) And I think he lied to me because at that moment, I think he was like, okay, I need to get out of office because she's about to hit me with something big. So he's like, yes, but you could tell he was like trying to hurdle out of like, out of the room kind of thing. So I said yes, walking through the front door. <laughs> right. Well, so Darren works for, uh, you, you know, he wor- works for Elliptico. So I'm sure you were working out there in California. So obviously this changes everything. And you guys eventually decide that you're going to continue to try to, to, to make this dream of trying to make the Olympic team and run the Olympic trials. Were you coaching Sarah at the time? And when did you decide to move back to Virginia and totally revamp everything? Yeah, so I've been coaching Sarah since the 2012 trials. Okay. So after the 2012 trials, we started working together. And so our first year in 2013, making that world team yep. and getting to get on the starting line of Moscow was really successful. Um, 2014, Sarah actually had a, a bit of an injury. She stepped on a hole on the beach out in California and, and fractured a bone in her foot. Um, but we still were able to manage a really successful season with her uh, coming back and running 426, which was a world lead for that year that wow. stands today. She was fourth at the U.S. Champs that year, still off of about six weeks of training. Um, and so then 2015 with the PRs was going super well. So uh, one of the good things, Sarah's been involved with Elliptico actually before I started working with them. They mm-hmm. were a sponsor of hers. She's been using it to cross train for, for almost four or five years now. And so um, they've been as supportive of her career as they always have of mine in the company. And so when when all this happened and we decided that you know we were both going to look to continue our careers going forward, I knew that I just had to be honest with Elliptico and say, for us to do that, we're going to need extra hands. And mm-hmm. all of our family is on the East Coast. And so I basically went to them and said, in January, we have to move back to the East Coast if Sarah's going to have a shot at this. And I want to stay working for you guys. I know it's not ideal, but if there's anything we can do to work through it, I'm open. And they came back and said, do what you got to do, but we don't want to lose you from the company. So I, I could not be more grateful and blessed to have a company like that behind not only me, but behind my wife as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was great. Yeah. They're a great company. I know Julia's that's all she's done. She has not been able to run since 20 or 25 weeks. So watching the video, what struck me, it was amazing how long you could run. 
Now, I want, I want you to comment on that, but also were people around Fauquier County or Warrington, where, where you guys live in Virginia, were people like, who is this crazy pregnant woman running around town here? <laughs> well, that's the beauty of moving back to your hometown. I think most people knew who the crazy, right. <laughs> crazy pregnant lady was out running. Yeah. Um, so I had immense support in my community. Um, I, always, I was joking that when you're running and you're pregnant, Cars and stuff are much more likely to stop for you, let you cross the street. And I said, I don't know if they're just being nice or they're just like wanting to take a longer stare. But either way, you get kind of treated a little bit better when you're running um, as, as the pregnant lady. Um, but yeah, so I, I was running at the end of my pregnancy four days a week. And okay. I we kind of had the philosophy of make the running days count. And so on those days, I would hit um, anywhere from eight to 12 miles. Um and those consisted of two workouts and a medium long run and a long run. Um, and then the days in between, I would elliptigo and swim. Okay. And and I'm sure the doctor was dialed in on all this stuff. And what what is their thought? What was the doctor? What do the professionals say about this? Were they supportive of, of you training at such a high level? Yeah. When we um, moved across country and had to switch doctors, we were able to, you know, talk with our doctor first, Dr. Gonzalez. And um, he really, really just made us feel comfortable because the first thing we asked, we like, we like laid out kind of what we were doing, what we were trying to do. And he was just like, well, why wouldn't you? Like Mm -hmm. your body's used to this. Your body has done this. If you were to just stop doing like stop exercising completely, that'd be more of a shock to you, to your system. So he was very supportive and he gave us um, more guidelines to kind of look out for. It was more about overheating, so staying cool. Um, for uh, Like if I was working on the elliptical, always having fans. It's the one time if you're in the gym, you can okay. seal all the fans and right. nobody gets mad at you. <laughs> right. So um, he kind of gave us what, you know, the guidelines that we should be looking out for, not just that, that old um, thing about the, the heart rate right. because it's there's so much more to it than that. And so... Um, yeah, he was able to kind of give us that that green light on what what we could do. And, and as a coach, Darren, I, I, it did say in the video that as long as maybe one of the doctors said, as long as you're only getting up to ninety percent of the max heart rate, you're okay. Um, so there's one guideline. But as a coach, are there other guidelines? Are you doing a ton of reading? Are you scared of screwing this thing up? I mean, this is you've coached for a long time, but this is obviously pretty unique. A whole new adventure and. Uh... All I can say is that you can't be discouraged by new challenges, but you have to make sure that if you're willing to accept them and take them on, that you've done your research, right? And so um, I'm the first person to say that I don't know everything, and and I'm not going to be the the only person that can decide the right path. So my first step was to read as much as I possibly could and talk to as many people as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. You know, strength conditioning uh, specialists that that have either dealt with pregnant women before or just are really in tune with the physiology behind the the body changes that she'll be going through. Same thing with talking to the doctor. You know, in, in the the films, he he talks about the the heart rate not getting above ninety percent, and really a lot of that is more for just the the kind of the the stuff that builds up in the blood that that you accumulate when you start running at faster speeds. Um, your blood is your baby's blood. You're circulating it, and so you really more want to make sure that you're you're keeping those levels down. But even more importantly is the overheating aspect. You don't want to overheat. So we actually had a little handheld thermometer that we would bring, and Sarah would have to take her her temperature in between whether it was intervals or every hmm. 20 minutes during a run on a treadmill. And we just made sure that she was staying nice and cool. She always had really ice cold water nearby that she could drink. Um, so some of those things were just taking precautionary steps. And then when it came to, to non-running stuff like like the weight room, um, 
we really had to dial back and look at, you know, what is safe to do. And if there was ever a question of safety, whether it's, you know, cutting out Olympic lift movements, you know, cutting out things where she's laying on her back, um, those sort of things, then we just didn't do them. We found other ways around them or we said, hey, we just can't do that right now. And, and that was okay. We had to have that approach. At the end of the day, our biggest goal was to stay consistent mm-hmm. and not have this major gap in time for her training for the long-term view, right? Because really training is about accumulation over time. And so for these nine months, we just wanted to maintain that accumulation, whether it was all cross training, 50% cross training, no cross training, we'd take what we could get. And did you talk to, like, I know Kara Gaucho trained through her pregnancy. So did you talk to like other runners who had done similar things or just like kind of come up with your own plan? We actually had quite a few, um, you know, mother athletes reach out to us and say, hey, if there's anything you need to know, um, Hillary Stellingworth is a close friend of ours, for, uh, the Canadian 1500-meter runner, who just ran in the Olympics yeah. a year and a half after having a baby. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she reached out, and, and her husband, Trent, is fantastic. Alicia Montano reached out. Um, we're, we're close with the, the Bruces, so mm-hmm. Stephanie Bruce and I talked uh, quite a few times. You know, she was constantly sending encouraging messages throughout the whole thing. Um, and so there were quite a few that we just, we got to connect with and, um, you know, Kara was another one. Kara reached out and just said, you're doing awesome. And, and just those little bits of support, because we did have some of the backlash that you see in the films of, you know, the ignorance of people who don't read more than a headline and want to judge you for what you're doing and say the negative side of things. Mm -hmm. So, so one of the things that really struck me, Sarah, in the, in the video that you said that as a runner, you need to be selfish but as a parent, you need to be selfless, which I thought was really kind of hit home with me. How has that changed? I'm sure that's shifted as we look at Abigail right here to your to your left. I'm sure that's shifted, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that was just my biggest concern, how that would balance out. And I mean, it naturally, you naturally just, you, you, this human that like is in this world, like you care so much about this person, this like small person. And so for me, she, and she's kind of done actually wonders for me because she's helped me to relax a lot because a lot of times it was like, wake up in the morning. I need to get my workout in. Like everyone leave me alone, but I'm, I've been a lot more relaxed now. Like I, I'm thinking about her, her needs. I'm able to enjoy the moment and still, you know, bring that competitive drive when it's time. But it's almost like I, I can um, channel it better at just when the moments when I need it instead of making it t- consume my whole day. And so, yeah, I, I grew up with very selfless parents and I, you know, hope to be the same thing to her. And I think that you naturally just kind of move towards that because you do, you care so much for this other person and you care about their needs before your own. Did, and did you feel like you lost motivation in running In running? No, not at all. Actually. I feel, I felt like I had so much going on positive, like off the track that I was more fearless on the track. Like I was willing to just put it all out there mm-hmm. because if I messed up, you know what? When I walk off the track, I have a great support system, family, and child to come home to. So it was almost like my happiness was so fulfilled that this is only going to add to it, and I can take those risks, take those chances. And um, so I think actually it did the opposite. Hmm. People have always asked throughout the years if, if it's tough for us to work as husband and wife and, and coach athlete as they cross over. And I've always told people that I think it's definitely got to be tougher for Sarah. And, and the single best thing that I've seen, you know, come out of this for her training is that 
I don't see the same sense of pressure that I feel like Sarah used mm. to put on herself to perform, to prove for those of us around her. It's now really about just throwing it on the line and understanding that we're all here for her, no matter how it goes. And I think, you know, the final video and the trials themselves show that, um, you know, I think it's very interesting. If you hear Sarah talk about her worst case scenario in episode right. five, you see it play out in front of her. And, and at the end of the day, we weren't any less proud than we'd have been if she made the second round, made the final, was on the team that went down to compete in Rio. I can't believe what she came through. And I think she begins to see that now as well. And so hopefully going forward, she'll, she'll be able to approach races with that mindset. So let's talk about what, because there was a lot of, uh, there, there, there was a lot of obstacles to get to the Olympic trials, which obviously our listeners know. I mean, to get to the Olympic trials, that is the pinnacle of a lot of people's careers just to try to make the trials, much less, you know, compete and make the semis of a world team and all those things. But you ran into a number of problems, uh, specifically with your back. Uh, you ended up having a tumor in your back that was benign. Did you guys at that point think, well, maybe this isn't worth it? Um, definitely when I was walking through, the, you know, the, the tumor diagnosis and figuring out um, what exactly was going on. I mean, at that time, your mind was so far from running. Right. I mean, it was just on, you know, life and right. like just the whole meaning of life and what you want out of life. And so, um, during that time running was probably the farthest thing from my mind. And seriously, I thought, um, early on, it was like, I thought it meant immediate surgery and this and that. And so, yeah, I think, um, it definitely did shift my focus at that point. But again, you know, you get through it, you come out on the other side and, you know, we were fortunate in that I was given the green light, you know, based on that, that particular diagnosis right. to keep going. So, um, you know, it's one of those things like an, an, just an obstacle and you, you deal with it and you move on and you keep pressing forward. Hey, Farley, do you think it's um, campy that we put those fake baby noises in the background? No, I think that's good, actually. Okay. No, no right. I think that that actually works for the, for the show. I didn't know what you guys thought about the sound effects. No, I, I, yeah, okay. I, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, so do you think you could have done this if Darren wasn't your coach? No, I definitely think that our dynamic um, with him being my coach, my husband, like in this kind of on-taking, like you're – things change so quickly. You're dealing with so many things emotionally, physically, and the whole process, like I could not have done without him. And so, I mean, that's what makes our story also very unique. Like we were able to take on a challenge and keep moving forward. Like there were so many times, like with all the obstacles that I faced where I really didn't think I was going to the trials. And we'd we'd had days where I, I mean, I would continue to train, but it was under the um, pretense that no, you're, you're not going, but we're going to see what happens. Let's try one more day. We'll see what happens. And I don't think I would have done that if I didn't have someone working so closely with me. So Darren thought you were in about, I think six weeks after the, after Abigail, you were around 434 shape, which is incredible that you were able to get running that quickly. I hope that Julie can come close to getting running. So how quickly were you running after the baby was born? So I took a week completely off, just mm-hmm. kind of adjusting to being a new mom. At I think home, that's reasonable. Online. I think you deserved a week off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, after a week, I mean, I, I started cross training. I was working out on the elliptigo and I also started, um, 
some core exercises, some pelvic floor exercises, just to kind of re-strengthen, see where I was at. Yeah. Um, and I started my first run two weeks postpartum. Wow. So. Farley, I, that is incredible. I, I'm going to go on record that, yeah. that uh, she's not giving you realistic expectations. Right, I know. Yeah, I don't. I I will say I was surprised at how how I did bounce back. Um, and even in the hospital, uh, Abigail, I was sick when she was born, so yeah. she had to go to the NICU. And so my nurse would always be trying to find me because I was constantly gone from my room. And I think I was <laughs> amazing her at how yeah. like. We were worrying her with how active. little we were asking. Yeah, she's like, I, right. I've done nothing for you. And she'd keep come looking for me to try and like, do you need anything? And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. So um, I think I was surprised at how quickly, um, how good I did feel. Yeah. Um, and maybe it was because I was expecting the absolute worst. And I know that there definitely are scenarios where you, you know, you do need more recovery. And I just was fortunate in that I didn't. If you watch episode two of Run Mama Run. Yeah. Um, there were certain areas where the film crew wasn't allowed to be in the hospital, but we were allowed to have our own personal video camera. And so they got some of that footage from us. And there's a, there's a shot of us walking out with Abigail for the first time. And this is us leaving the hospital for the first time. Yeah. And Sarah actually does this little jog in the hallway. I mean, this is 48 hours (laughs) after she's given birth. And I think it was, it was probably in that moment that I had to look at her and go, Hey, can you not think about running for at least a week? And, And can you just settle a little bit? But you know, I give a ton of credit to her for the work she put in, but we also have to give a lot of credit to her, her pelvic floor specialist who we started seeing out in California and we continued a relationship with mm-hmm. throughout the pregnancy. And it was funny because when we went to our OBGYN in, in California and said, hey, can we get a script to see a pelvic floor specialist? She looked at us and said, well, you, you typically do that after the baby's born. I said, well, yeah, but if she starts strengthening now, won't that help her right. kind of, you know, get, make sure everything's in, in place and help her strengthen now so that when she bounces back and she said, well, yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Wow. And, I said, and so it was, it was kind of some of that applying, you know, applying common sense, I guess, applying thinking that you, you would, you know, the idea of rehab before you go back to running, all that sort of stuff, trying to apply it anywhere we could to her pregnancy of, okay, what's going to happen to her that's going to be negatively impacting her and how can we proactively approach that mm-hmm. um and I, I had a lot of people who helped me along with with thinking through all those things eventually you did get a uh the tumor and then a stress fracture in your sacrum i mean so it just didn't stop but yeah. amazingly enough you continued on so talk about the, the stress fracture how hard was that to yeah so the first the i actually ended up <laughs> with three um wow. the first two were up in my now i never say this right darren so go ahead and it was up in your thoracic spine. Okay. So she actually okay. had two in her vertebrae. Wow. Yeah. So those, I started experiencing some back spasms and, um, you know, you never, as a runner, you push, you push sure. through a lot. And, uh, I think there was finally one workout where I was like, oh, I should stop this workout because I'm kind of borderline injury. Uh, <laughs> right, right. And then I went and did the doctor. Stress fracture in your spine. Yeah. yeah I'd say yeah. so. And so it was actually in a location that like a lot of people with in car accidents kind of received those kind of compression fractures in the spine. And so that was a little bit of a red flag because it just didn't seem like necessarily a common running injury, like right. something you would get due to running. Like the one in my sacrum, a, a little more understandable, but, and that one kind of, sorry, no. <laughs> Abigail's finding her voice. Yes. Um, and that one, um, I ended up getting an MRI for as well. And so I was kind of finding out the diagnosis as, as like, you know, week by week. Um, and so 
because I was not prone to these type of injuries, it kind of raised a lot of red flags. And that's when I was sent in for a DEXA scan. And then we found out that the underlying cause was low bone density, wow. a transient osteoporini caused by um, pregnancy. So in like that third trimester, and then when you're a breastfeeding mom, my body was just taking the calcium from my bones. And my blood levels of calcium were just fine. So it had nothing to do with like intake. It just had to do with how my body was, you know, producing so at this point, knowing what you know, training as hard as you did, would you change anything that you did? I don't, I don't know if this is something we could have prepared for because we had never heard of it. And mm -hmm. so it was just like, I don't know that we could have done anything differently okay. um, if, we, if we had known about it or if we had a way of testing for it. Because even if you know about it, you wouldn't know that you're prone to have this, this happen. So... Um, I mean, there's definitely things now we could have done looking back, but hindsight's always 50-50. And yeah. like we couldn't, again, I don't think there was anything we could have changed like right. besides working out less. And right. I feel like Abigail wants to weigh in on yeah, this. Yeah, I think she, maybe she thinks differently than her mom. Sorry, you're and telling us. You get, I start to get her out, and she's got the big smile. I know. Look at that smile. The difficulty about the postpartum osteoporosis, they, they don't actually have a lot of research on it. Okay. Um, and so it's not something that, that they proactively talk to you about. Um, because the reason they don't have research is typically you don't know exactly when you're going to get pregnant. Right. And so women typically aren't getting bone scans and getting bone density tests right before they get pregnant. Right. And once you find out you're pregnant, it's too late to get one of those scans. And so really they only know the backside effects of how low somebody's scores are, but they really don't have a baseline to compare it to. And so um, for Sarah, just what we found out was that when she went in, I mean, she was two and a half standard deviations away from normal, which is really low uh, for her spine and then the connection point down into her sacrum, which is why those are the two spots that ended up with the stress fractures. So um, it's definitely something that I think postpartum, it's worthwhile for women to get checked out to, to make sure that their bone density isn't really low, especially if they're nursing. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's just limited research on it. Um, they don't even actually know exactly what causes it to happen to some women versus others. They assume it's some sort of protein mm -hmm. responsible for taking calcium and, and putting it in the milk. And they assume that some women just have a higher level or a better transportation system for that, that calcium. And so um, it's, it's not something you can prevent, but it's something that happens. So take us to the Olympic trial. So you decide to obviously run the trials, which is an incredible decision in itself. Uh, how was that few days for you guys as a family? Was it difficult knowing... Because you had to know. I mean, you're, you're a favorite to make the team um, before maybe all this stuff. But was it, was, it difficult, was it a difficult week knowing that you probably did not have your A game? I mean, I think for me, throughout the process, I mean, my mentality, like I didn't want to go in there not, not feeling like I was at my absolute best. But at the same time, I had been through so much and so many hurdles and each hurdle we were able to you know kind of keep moving forward and it just became this like see it through kind of goal for right. me and um the only disappointment i think that i have in the trials was just that you know i've had in the past some tendonitis in my achilles yeah. and i think throughout all the issues i faced you know with the osteopenia and all those that like i had 
really stop paying any attention to rehabbing it or strengthening it. And so with about just just over 400 meters to go, like it kind of kind of went to the point that like all of a sudden I felt it really sharp in my my Achilles. And, and you I, could tell from the video too that, yeah, you were favoring it. Yeah, and, and I, I tried so hard because yeah. at that point it was like everything in me because I had worked so hard for that moment that yeah. I was like I, I was trying to refuse to let this – to let it show to, I want it to walk off the track with my head up and not like with a gimp. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was probably the only dis- disappointing part for me was just something way out in left field hit me again. Right. But at the same time, like I worked so hard to get there. And I, I said this in the documentary, like I knew what every step to get there took. And so it was, it was a hard process and it was a hard journey and it taught me so much. And I just, you know, I'm proud that I, that I did see it through. So Darren, watching you, it was kind of gut-riching watching you as she's running in the video. How tough was that for you to watch her run around, uh, those three and three quarters laps and end up ultimately finishing in last place in the, uh, in the first round there? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was heart-wrenching to be honest. Um, and not, not because of how she performed. It was because most runners, you know, maybe not the Leos and Matt Centrowitz right. of the world, but most runners know what it's like to have that day where the field runs away from you. And to do that in front of 30,000 people at the Olympic trials, like yeah. it hit me in, it hit me in the gut. It was a, it was a pit in my stomach. But at the same time, when I saw her continue to fight and take each and every step, um, you know, I couldn't have been more proud. I mean, she was she was going to reach the end of this journey, and she was going to see this through. And and it's not, you know, we never set out for this to be the ending. This was the end of this chapter, right? Mm-hmm. And and it was time. It was going to be a closing for us to move on to the next one. And so with that, I just wanted to make sure that I could, you know, get over to her and let her know the reassurance that that was great. Yep. That you know that four twenty four a four twenty four fifteen hundred twelve right. weeks after giving birth is really impressive. Um, and, you know, we had always said we didn't want to take a spot on the line if we didn't feel like it was justified. And in reality, we knew that the Achilles potentially could pop up. We've had to manage it a lot in the past, and we couldn't do a lot of vertical loading because of her spine leading into the trials. So we knew that that was potentially a trigger. Um, but we also felt really confident in her fitness after some of the workouts she had put forth. I yeah. mean, she ran a workout two weeks before with a 206 800, and some, you know, cut down 400s afterwards ending in 60 seconds. That's as good as she's yeah. ever done when she's run 403 to 405. So I was confident in her fitness. We just, you know, we, we lacked a little bit of time to get the structural system ready. Well, you got an amazing story for Abigail. Her mom ran in the <laughs> Olympic trials very shortly after being born. I mean, what kind of exa- I mean, for both of you guys, that must be awesome. What kind of example does that set for your daughter? Do you guys think about that? Um, I think I just, I hope for her, it just sets an example of perseverance and, you know, what you can do and when you put your mind to it and, um, especially like when you have hurdles to overcome and obstacles that, that you can persevere through that and keep, keep moving forward. Um, and that will be supporting her through whatever she goes after, Mm -hmm. you know, like running's my passion. It's what I love to do. And I hope that she finds something she's just as passionate about and will stand behind her and help her, you know, see her goals through. And I'll say this, whether, you know, 
whether Abigail decides to be an astronaut or a track athlete or, uh, you know, solve the problem of world hunger, whatever it is we can support her do. Yeah. Her her track credentials are already more impressive than mine. She's she's run the finals of the U.S. Championship. She was in Monaco for a world record race. Right. She ran the London Diamond League a week later. I mean, she's she's already got the resume. No doubt. That's that is awesome. So, Coach, what's next for uh, your your prized athlete here? Are you guys uh, looking forward to the future continuing running, or was this kind of it for you? Well, we're on the cusp of crawling. Oh, you mean Sarah? <laughs> yeah. You mean Sarah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, no, um, no, we're looking at London. Okay. I mean, we're looking at London, and we're looking. And London is the the, the world, world championships yep. next next summer. So, yep. um, Sarah's had some some work done on her Achilles, and she, we're starting to come around and get into a good spot. And so, uh, the training will begin, and it'll begin the the long year out process of figuring out how to do this. Not pregnant now, once right. again, and uh, and and to aim at that and and beyond. You know, you never want to look past the the near future, but. You know, Sarah's got at least another Olympic cycle in her, and and you know, I might want to take her headphones off for this, but I I, I don't think you've seen her in her best event yet. Yeah, and so I'm really excited for what the development's going to be as she continues to age in this sport and continues to perform at a higher and higher level. Are you guys going to stay in uh, Virginia, or what? What is what does that look like? I don't think I can drag Sarah away from her hometown at this point. I agree. Hey, I'm, I'm I need... through and true Arlingtonian in Virginia here. I love it. So I I'm, par- I'm partial to Virginia. Yeah. But... Sarah, Sarah's got her, her mom and dad are right in Warrington. Her sister's in Bealtown, which is about yeah. 15, 20 minutes away. Her aunts and uncles are less than an hour and a half up the road. Her brother's less than an hour. Right. I, it would be a disservice to her happiness to take her anywhere away from here. And to be honest, I've never lived in kind of a smaller town like Warrington where, you know, the cheers, everybody knows your name type <laughs> right. type system takes place. But it's it's awesome. It's great. I walked into the dentist this morning, and they were like, we are huge fans of your wife. Uh, that's like, awesome. This is cool. <laughs> that's really cool. really cool. So it's been great being back. Well, she's sponsored by New Balance. Darren's wearing one of their uh, – New Balance did an amazing job at the trials with all these shirts. I didn't know there yeah. was a Go <laughs> – it's a Go Sarah shirt. I mean, they had it for, you know, Jenny and Kim and – and, and, and everybody else that uh, ran the Olympic trials who, who competed for New Balance. How can we get our hands on one of those Go Sarah shirts? Yeah, I, I don't know. I might I have to. Limited, I think they're probably limited editions. Yeah, I, Emma was able to um, magically make a few more appear for some of her fans. Yeah. But um, they are, they're great shirts. They're comfortable, too. Yeah. So I... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we'll send an email out to Q. Yeah, yeah. So New Balance, obviously a great, great supporter of uh, Pace and Nation, of course, Pacers Running, and they've been your sponsor for a while too, right? Yeah, they've been my sponsor since 2009, and I've said continuously, like I wouldn't have been able to keep going in the sport as long as I have if it hasn't, if it wasn't for them and their belief in me. And so they've definitely treated me like a person, not just an athlete, mm-hmm. and. Um, when you can find that kind of family, um, you're you're really lucky. And you're also lucky to have uh, Darren's company, Elliptico. They're, they're still a big supporter and sponsor of yours, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everything from my husband's job to, you know, my second training tool besides running. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Abigail likes it, too. She's, yeah, she's quite... Oddly enough, the swoosh puts her to sleep. The swoosh of the dog <laughs> puts her to sleep. That's awesome. Well, guys, I, I really appreciate it. It's an awesome story. I don't know. You can find it on ESPNW. Uh, it's a five we'll, part. We'll tweet it out. We'll too. tweet it out. It's a five part series. It's uh, about the Browns, Sarah's uh, journey to the Olympic trials, 
pregnant before she was uh, before she gave birth to Abigail. After uh, a really inspiring story, uh, so congratulations, guys! Thank you so much for joining us. Thank yeah, thanks you. for having us on. All right, there they go. There's the Browns. This is Pace the Nation. We're going to take a quick break and be back after this. All right, welcome back to the program. And thanks again to Sarah and Darren Brown for joining us and talking about Sarah's inspiring story of her trip to the Olympic trials and all that it took to get there uh, through pregnancy, after having Abigail, making the trials, running the trials. Awesome story. I really enjoyed talking to them a little bit afterwards, too, guys. I found out that Darren and Sarah did not read any books in preparation for Abigail. But I also asked them, did you schedule yourself to work the next day? (laughs) And they both said, no. Yeah, they they did say that that probably would not happen. So I I feel like you should read the books because I I really think you have no idea what you're in for. <laughs> so you're saying they're they're just probably more equipped. Just he and, kept throwing around the the phrase common sense, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is why I think you need to read. All right, maybe I'll cram some some uh, some stuff in. Uh, before the baby uh, this this weekend. Funny enough, uh, Abigail was not the first baby in studio. No, Mm-mm. no, that's right. Uh, do you remember uh, the the baby's name? I do. Do you? Yeah, I do too. No, I don't. But Kiva. Kiva. That's right. That's right. Spelt with like a Q and yeah. Oh, a lot of weird letters. Joanna's having a tough time talking because she's eating a, a studio-cooked meal. And while you mention that, uh, thanks to the great people at, at ASICS, of course, Greg came over and cooked us. Uh, this is like big-time snacks today. Mm. Uh, we're eating... Uh, Should we ask Greg what we're actually eating? Yeah. Actually, Greg uh, <laughs> Greg, Greg doesn't like to be on mic. He doesn't. I he know, is but... a huge supporter of the show. ASICS, mm-hmm. of course, the official snack sponsor of Pace the Nation. Uh, Greg, what are we eating? He's got his mouth full, Docs. It's rude of us to talk to him. I know the chef's okay. not supposed to eat, right? No. <laughs> um, this is a kind of Mediterranean pasta uh, dish here. My daughter actually uh, introduced me to it the other day. and My wife said the feta really kind of pulls everything together. Yeah. Um, so wheat pasta to keep you guys healthy and not uh, all gluten down. Well, how I really old, don't know what gluten is. So, how old is your daughter? Uh, that's my nine-year-old daughter, nine-year-old Lily, not yeah. my year-and-a-half-year-old. Okay, she, she doesn't well, cook much. More, your nine-year-old has a more sophisticated palate than me. Yeah. That's not surprising. Most nine-year-olds have a more sophisticated palate than you. By yeah. the way, I never read a book either. Yeah, see, thank kids, you. Doc's so. giving me a hard time. It's fine. They're I'm nightmares. We, uh, they, they're like caged animals. We actually keep them in cages. So <laughs> I should have read a book. Good, good to know. Well, of course, this podcast is self-serving, so I really had those guys on this week, so I could kind of know what to expect. That was your book. Yeah, that, that was my book. Mm-hmm. So, again, thanks to uh, Sarah and Darren Brown for joining us uh, and telling their amazing story. And while we're giving out the thanks, thanks again to Greg and the great folks at ASICS for uh, sponsoring the snacks. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area D.C. locations. Pacers Running is for every run. We also have a location in New Jersey, and we were just talking about New Jersey. Princeton, New Jersey is where our sixth location is. 
Joanna, you were you were saying something like you don't claim New Jersey or your attitude isn't New Jersey or maybe that was Don. my the volume of my voice is You're, not yeah, New Jersey. That's right. That's right. Because we had to readjust the mic. So you can check out those six amazing Pacers running locations and you can find us on the web at runpacers.com. So Farley, I got an email today from Dr. Beck. <laughs> you did. Uh-huh. He wrote me and he said, I heard on the podcast you're injured and you need to make an appointment with me. When when so, can you see me? So you did not email him for an appointment. No. He emailed you because he heard like the bat, bat signal. Yes. Well, isn't that like how many people use podcasts in order to make their doctor's appointments? I think you're probably the only one. By the way, I'm taking bids to put a fence in around my house. <laughs> so if there's any any fence contractors out there, uh, just send me an email. Long fence, if you're listening, mm-hmm. you can be a sponsor for a free fence around Ooh, Doc's actually, house. Actually, that's a good point. I just thought this is how I make uh, announcements uh, or, or how I make yeah. appointments. Well, um, well, thank you to Dr. Beck for reaching out. Mm-hmm. And thank you for listening. Yeah, do you guys Beck. have any messages for Dr. Beck? <laughs> Did you make an appointment with him? I didn't write him back yet. I oh. just I just saw it. We're, we're recording. All right. Yeah. It's never stopped anybody else from using their phone. <laughs> I know. You guys are very, very efficient during this. All right. Well, I, well I, multitasking. I, I, that just reminded Farley. Joanna just reminded <laughs> Farley that he needs to check something on his phone. No, I did want to go to my phone to check this podcast that uh, I heard bits and pieces of. Bill Simmons podcast. Love guys, Bill Simmons. You guys, Docs, I know you're a Bill Simmons fan. Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell was on there the other day. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, he's a author, right? He is an author. Business books, uh, marketing. I think he's like a marketing guru. Uh, anyways, he was on the uh, podcast, and apparently Gladwell is a closet track fan, big-time track fan. Didn't he write the sports gene? Yeah, he could have. I don't know. I, I, I think he wrote All Marketers Are Liars. He also wrote the outlier, the outliers, outliers, yeah, the tipping point, yeah. So he is a uh, very popular author uh, with with a lot of a lot of good books. Maybe he did write the sports gene. Look that up on your phone. Multi's has for me. But anyways, he no, talked to that was David Epstein. Okay, uh, so Simmons and Gladwell talked about the Olympics, and they talked about how they could improve uh, the the experience for uh, spectators because. At the at the Rio Games, the stands looked empty, which uh, was Bob really Kennedy, sad. Bob Kennedy even mentioned on our podcast that yeah. that uh, that's something track and field is is lacking. Mm-hmm. So uh, Gladwell suggested taking all the, the the fans and bringing them in on the infield, uh, maybe like a during the javelin. <laughs> <laughs> probably not during the javelin, but uh-huh. uh, you know, bring them bringing them in on the infield like a horse race. Uh, maybe taking wait party style was he yeah, suggesting I'm doing thinking this like, like the Preakness? Not Preakness like that. Not like the like you know, Foxfield. Get dressed yeah. up, put a dress on. Yeah, for the sundresses like for the ladies. Yeah. Uh, nice collared shirts for the men. I don't want to watch a track race in a dress. <laughs> well, he said this is what he said. Imagine if they put temporary stands on the infield where you can communicate and interact with athletes a lot better. Uh-huh. Hmm. They were talking about on the podcast how you know. Simmons, I believe, went to uh, the London Olympics, and he was hoping to see the high jump or the long jump. And, you know, he's one part of the stadium, and he can barely even see that all the way over the other side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is this is what I would say is, is like, because I remember being in college, and you, 
would go in the infield and you'd like run from you'd run from diagonal to diagonal and right. and, and and cheer for people as well but i imagine if you let too many people in as a spectator then you just have people lining the one spot or oh, the other thing i remember on the infield because then you'd have like everybody would be crowding the start line and then you wouldn't be able to get over there if it really was a spectator thing mm-hmm. but i do remember also when they would do the steeplechase that would congregate a huge crowd on either side of the track around the water jump right mostly because that was the most likely place for somebody to take a spill <laughs> yeah and have an awful and, crash and, and uh people are just awful awful people right well i think that's another spot which would be a coveted spot if they had mm-hmm. stands by it um they also mentioned maybe having the field events like the long jump or high jump or not javelin, or you know, maybe the maybe some of the the shot put uh, or the hammer throw in like a tennis stadium where it's a little bit more intimate setting where people can so different than the huge you know track stadium in a tennis stadium right. where you can again interact and see these athletes. Yeah, actually, at, at Penn Relays, I think they do the field events at another field. They don't do them at the same track where, where you have yeah, the races. You're exactly right. So that's the same. So I, I usually have little regard for other podcasts when they talk about track. <laughs> but this one was actually good. This one was really good. And, and finally, you know, they did say this, which I thought was very true. They talked about Centrowitz winning the gold and talked about why it doesn't get more hype. And they said they believed that if it was 1972, he'd be on the cover of a Wheaties box. That's how big it would have been back in 72. But mm-hmm. now, you know, 40 some odd years later, it's a big deal. But I, I tend to agree. It's it's not the, the deal that uh, the big of a deal that I think it should be. But people don't understand. I was surprised. It wasn't even on the headline of ESPN. I know it wasn't. That was disappointing. It made the sports page front. Sports page, the, the Washington Post, because Post. he's a local right. kid, done right. good, yeah. right? So why do you what What do you think the difference is? I I don't know. I like people in 2016 don't care about running like they did in 1972. I I think that track and field had yeah more juice back then. Yeah, for, for whatever reason. Yes, you know I think you think of. Uh, Prefontaine, Prefontaine, and Bruce Jenner. Mm-hmm. You think of those guys as iconic heroes who would be on the Wheaties box. They were more household names, and but things have changed too. I mean, mm-hmm. boxing also is not a big That's deal true. anymore, and that was mm-hmm. a big sport. So, so things have progressed there. But I think like Usain Bolt actually makes the front page, he and, does. and people yeah. like sprinting. Uh, so I think distance running, not so popular. Well, the fifteen hundred isn't even that long. I know. <laughs> well, for most it is long, but you're right. You want to know another thing I think it might be? Yeah. Drugs in the sport. Could oh, be. yeah. I would agree with that. You yeah. know what? We're, we let's, let's, we got a, a great guest scheduled here in the next week or Who? two. Uh, Robert Johnson of uh, Let's Run.com. Rojo. He, he's going to be able to speak to all this. Uh-huh. He'll, he'll be the fact checker. Yeah. He, he can... <laughs> Because I, I think you're bringing up some good stuff here, but I think Robert... So we scheduled him. The conspiracy is getting deep. Yeah, yeah. Did we schedule him when Joanna's not going to be here? <laughs> Actually, yes. <unfortunately>. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Like the, the one person that I am over the moon to meet. <laughs> so I, I want to thank uh, listener Sandwich Todd for uh, hipping me to that Bill Simmons hot podcast. Because uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was some, some good stuff in there. All right, guys. 
I did want to thank Dr. Ben Pearl, who planted the seed about the Browns coming in. And, of course, thank Sarah and Darren Brown and their daughter, Abigail, for coming in studio. Uh, very great guests, all three of them. Unfortunately uh, for James Farley, <laughs> Abigail ruined uh, the studio experience for all true. babies going forward. <laughs> That's true. Uh, when this podcast uh, posts, there may be James Farley finally here. Um, and since I make it all about me, uh-huh. thank you for all the well wishes <laughs> before you sent them to me. I appreciate it. Julie <laughs> does too. All right. Can well, Joanna and I get that out of the way now? Congratulations, yes. Farley Congratulations. and Julie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. need to say anything else. No problem. All right. For William E. Docs, Joanna E. Russo, I'm Chris Farley. This is Pace the Nation. We'll see you next week. have a nice digital camera but i it's like big and called your phone isn't darren a weird name for somebody who was born in 1985 no they were bewitched fans and they in 1985 they showed bewitched uh reruns why does darren have anything to do with bewitched because that's the husband's name oh who who knows how do you know that (laughs) like who knows that sort of and there are two darren's no, there were two Samantha's. In the, in the fact that no, there were oh two, yeah, you're right. There two, were two, Darren's. Darren's. two Darrens. The fact that both of you guys know that <laughs> it's insane to me. Like this is common I, knowledge. I feel like that's pretty common knowledge. Like oh, it's you know what it is. It's pop culture. All right, common <laughs> knowledge is who the first president of the United States was. That's common knowledge. Correct. How many states there are? Mm-hmm. That's common knowledge. It is common knowledge. Darren and Bewitched, not common knowledge. <laughs> okay. All right, so I, we're clear. I just appreciate how you keep giving us speeches about what people should know. <laughs> All right. I I probably am not the best uh, arbiter of what people should and shouldn't know. I, I understand that, but... But you do fall for that, that human nature thing of thinking... Everybody thinks that they're the most normal person. Yeah, that's and, true. And that's everybody's true. a weirdo. That's true. Some more than others. It's <laughs> true. I like when I'm listening to the show and there's like the music between like our intro and then the guest because uh-huh. I always feel like it's um, yeah. like when you go to see a play and they have yeah. like the music playing while they're changing the scene. Like in my yeah. head, I'm always like, oh, there's like a scene change. Yeah, it is good. But I know the truth. Yeah.